Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. Anyways, <laughs> let's do this. I want to share with you, uh, I, I, honestly, this message, I was telling Eoni, um, normally I have a message from like weeks in advance, like weeks. And uh, I've been working on this for a very long time. And believe it or not, it began because we know a lot of you guys here at the church. But not every one of you has been to dinner at our house. And our discipleship, the way we do discipleship, is not through the podium. It's not, it's not up here. That's not discipleship. That's sermons and anyone can preach. As a matter of fact, honestly, to be very, very honest, we're not really the best preachers. Um, although, last two weeks have been amazing. I'm just saying, Georgie, you made us all cry, and it was such a blessing. Amen. And Carla, man, Carla, it was just like, dude, Jerry was like, mm, mm, mm. you know, uh, it's, it's such a beautiful thing to have, you know, amazing men and women of God. You know, we have people that can share the word all over, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. But that's not discipleship. Uh, that's out. That's a, uh, I guess you could say the outcome of discipleship, to have a men and women, women of God that can stand in a podium but also can stand at the podium of their homes with the same boldness, the same anointing, and the same authority. Amen. And so discipleship happens in kitchens. It happens in bedrooms. It happens in in living rooms. It happens in in workplaces, in Starbucks. Discipleship happens everywhere. And I just want to encourage you guys to think about this, okay? So as as we want to bring people closer and closer to us, of course, we're going to get to thousands and thousands of people. It's going to be a little bit harder for pastors to be with every person. But it's not harder for that same heart, that same anointing, that same cover to be for everyone and everyone around. Because why? We're multiplying. We're winning souls and making disciples. Not my disciple, disciples of Jesus. And if I'm a disciple of Christ, then we're all in line with him. And so it's a beautiful thing because as we make disciples, right? And we completely just multiply multiply the character and the love and the mission of God. And something begins to happen. Well, sometimes what happens is as the church begins to grow, then we don't have opportunity to spend time with every person out there. Although every person in this church is being cared for. So we are the biggest small church and we will be the biggest small church. I promise you. We will never lose the home feeling. We'll never lose the I love you. I care for you. I know what's happening in your life. And if you want help, there's help to get. Amen. Right? So one of those people that we really want to spend time with, we haven't gotten a chance to, and this is a formal invitation, is Lydia. Lydia, you have been nothing but a blessing to this ministry. I mean, there's nothing negative that anyone has ever said, at least not your face. I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. Honestly, you're such a blessing. You have this, this, your name, I don't know if you know, but your name, um, it, it literally means peaceful or this, this, uh, this, this peaceful spirit. This, uh, it's, I don't know how it is, but peace carrier. And so uh, you definitely have that about you. And your friends know it. The, the worship team is just so blessed by you. Uh, this is not a sermon about her, but it was very much inspired on your character. And so I have been just, you know, Ewan and I, we really want to, you know, invite you at some point. So let's make that happen. Right. But there's something about that character who is like Lydia. And there's something about this woman in the Bible and her name happens to be Lydia. And they're so alike. There's so much about now, Lydia, you can't mess up anymore. Cause if you do now, you know, 
you're exposed, right? So no pressure. You got to be perfect. But um, it's like every pastor's kid now, you know? Um, but, <laughs> but here's the crazy thing that as I see her life and I see this woman in the Bible, I see so much resemblance. And I've realized that God has blessed the world so much to that woman. Now, I want to I take you, yes, to that story, but I want you to grab something even bigger than, than, than the name of a meaning of a person and some good deed of someone. It's a concept. It's a, something that you got to grasp so you can live it out. I want to take you to a story that you most likely know, and the, no one ever, ever talks about it being related. But to me, it is 1,000% related, and one cannot live without the other. How many of you have ever heard of Paul and Silas? Paul and Silas, or Silas. Yeah, good. We do read the Bible, some of us. Okay, good. Praise God. All right, good, good. The rest of you that don't read the Bible, you will. I know you'll get there, right? It's discipleship. You are doing your devotionals, right? You're like, Pastor, I invited a friend today. Don't be confronting. Dude, read the Word of God. It'll keep you alive, all right? And so um, here's the thing. This story is nestled. It's found right here in the middle of the, of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. So Acts chapter, I never sent, uh, uh, Lisette, did I send you the, the, no, huh? I did? Oh, okay, it's Acts chapter 16. We're going to go from verse 14 on all the way. Okay, so I'm going to read just from verse uh, 14. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabric, a worshiper of God, was listening and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. This is Paul, right? The apostle Paul. And, you know, Lydia's this worshiping woman, right? She's, she's asking, urging Paul to stay with her. Now, we're going to get into that one story that you might have heard or might not heard. Some of you guys said you did. But it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination, meaning like a psychic spirit, right? Met us. By the way, if you go to a psychic, all that stuff, right? Some of them is just complete bunk. It's just not true. But some of them do have a spirit of divination. And that stuff is straight evil. So don't go to those places. If you have, it's a time to repent. And some of you may even be set free. Need to be set free. So um, all this to say, if you have more questions about that, talk to your cell leaders about it. Anyway, so this woman had a spirit of divination, a psychic spirit, right? That would tell the future. And it wasn't of God. Now, the things she would say were true. And the things she would say were actually good things. But the spirit was wrong. Ain't that crazy that you could say something that may be in accordance to what is good, but the spirit could be wrong? That's insane. It's wild, right? And he says, follow after Paul. Uh, uh, Where is it at? Uh, 16. It happened that there was a, going to a place of prayer. A slave girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul and us as she kept crying out saying, these men are, ba are bond servants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. All true, all good. She continued doing this for many days, many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out at the very moment. I don't know how it sounded, but like that. Nah, just kidding. Nah, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Right? Then the, but when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. 
And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into kosh, into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or to observe being Romans. Listen, verse 22. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrate tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet with stocks. Not socks, stocks, right? With, uh, with chains. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, come on, of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, say with me, suddenly, there came a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Supposing that the prisoners had escaped and obviously they were going to take him. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And he called for the lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and his household. And he brought them into the house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. I want to read to you the, should I read to you the rest of it? Yeah, yeah okay, okay. When they came, the chief magistrate sent their, their policemen saying, release those men. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the chief magistrate have sent us to release you. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. Some of you guys are like, I thought he had been released. Right. He went, had dinner. Got his, his wounds healed by the jailer's wife and family. And then Paul went right back into jail. Walked himself into jail. Closed his own door with Silas. Okay, we're going to wait here until we get released. Crazy as that. Okay. Now, they are being released now because they found out that they weren't just some immigrants that were not supposed to do these things. They were Romans. Romans had certain rights. They were not supposed to be beaten. They weren't supposed to be treated like that. You hear what I said? They weren't being treated like human beings. They were being treated like second-class citizens. And when they found out that Paul was actually a Roman citizen, not just some Jewish guy, they were like, oh, snap, what did we just do? They were freaked out because now they knew that the law meant that they were in trouble with Caesar. And so they went to Paul begging, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And this is awesome because this is where it said, but Paul said to them, they have beaten us in public without trial, men who are Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now they're... And now are they sending us away secretly? Uh-uh. Nope, indeed. But let them come themselves and bring us out. The policeman reported these words to the chief magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and appealed to them. And when they had brought them out, they kept begging them. Come on now. They kept begging them to leave. Please leave the city. They went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Close your eyes. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your word. May it infiltrate our hearts. God, let it purify. Let it do what it's supposed to do. Just like Lydia was open to receive the gospel, we open up our hearts right now. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I see some things. I just want to cover three specific things. 
about this event that I believe we desperately need today as believers. I didn't say as Christians because I believe there are Christian unbelievers. There are people that are Christian by denomination, by, by, by category. Your Instagram may say you're Christian. Your Facebook says you're Christian, but you're a non-believer. Some people go to churches, but they're non-believers. They don't believe the promises of God. They don't believe the laws of God. Many Christians are non-believers. That's why they freak out. That's why they're so scared. That's why they're always depending on someone or something. But you are Christians and you are believers. And the first thing I saw here is that these men had perseverance. The three Ps of a powerful Christian. The first one is this, perseverance. These men, Paul and Silas, were in jail. They were beaten. They were beaten and imprisoned without a fair trial. They were treated like second-class citizens. Listen, not for doing wrong things, but for doing the right thing. But for doing good things, for doing what God called them to do. I wonder what it would be like if you were faced with prison. And that doesn't seem like so far off, is it? I don't know if you know, but many pastors right now are facing trial. Some of them are being like Pastor John MacArthur, who's being sued and actually threatened with prison because he's holding his services. He has 6,000 people. He can't fit them. And there's, you want to come. People want to come to church. Listen, he's like, I try to do this. What we're doing right now, we just wouldn't fit. They kept on coming, and I'm not going to turn people away. And I say, amen. Now, listen, let me ask you that question. What would you be willing to do for the gospel? Oh man, I don't know if you heard what I just said, because it is close and it is near. Now, I'm not an apocalyptic, like, I'm not always trying to, you know, the end times. I'm actually happy if it's the end time. Let me tell you why. Because I'm going with God. So you guys are like, well, that sounds wrong. Uh-uh. It's so amazing. I'm not going to talk about that right now, but do I love my family? Absolutely. Do I love you guys? Absolutely. But if your Christianity is not worth anything to you, it's because you're not willing to pay anything for it. Some people here today, right here, right now, We'll stop doing the will of God, not because of persecution, but because of inconvenience. My biggest fear is not that this church won't grow. We will be thousands upon thousands of people. Come on now. My biggest fear is that the church will grow soft. And that is a scary thing. That you will lose your battle boots and you'll throw on some dancing shoes. That this church will stop and lose its flavor and will stop being a light set on a hill. That because of something, someone, whatever it is, will stop you from pursuing the purpose of God in your life. And one thing I see about Paul and Silas is that this man had a resolve about them to do whatever it took, no matter who liked it and who didn't. Now listen, I know what it means to obey the law of the land. I do my very best as we're doing right now. It's not convenient to sing with a mouth covered, but we're still singing, aren't we? It's not convenient to meet outside. It's not convenient to have to park three blocks, four blocks, five blocks away to come to church. But we're not here out of convenience. It's not convenient to take your Friday nights off. Listen, please listen. The biggest fear in your life should not be death, but spiritual death. That you would die in here. That you would be the walking dead. Paul and Silas were set into prison. Paul and Silas were beaten, not because they were doing something wrong, but because they did the will of God. Listen to this. I love this. When sin comes to lurking at your door. Now, sin can be many things. It's not just lust. It's not just theft. Sin could be laziness. Sin could also be unfaithfulness to God. 
choosing sin is so easy. It's so appealing. As a matter of fact, many people excuse sin because it's the law or inconvenience. I don't care what law says what. The first law is the law of God. And if that law abides by the law of God, then we will obey that. But if that law steps outside of the laws of God, then come and get us. I'm going to repeat that again just so we understand what I'm talking about. My king is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that is the truth. And so this is what happened with Paul and Silas. But many people fall into sin and they adjust their theology, their life to fit into sin. Instead of changing the man, they change the manual. And we cannot afford to do that. Listen, I love this one preacher. His name is Billy Sunday. He's an old school preacher. And he said the following words. And I want to make, if I was to ever tattoo my walls, <laughs> uh, if I was to ever get a tattoo, it would probably say this. I'm not saying you should get a tattoo and you should say this. I'm just saying, this is a really cool thing to hear. Listen, okay? Listen, I'm against sin. This is Billy, all right? I'll kick it as long as I have a foot. I'll fight it as long as I have a fist. I'll butt it as long as I have a head. And I'll bite it as long as I have got a tooth. And when I'm old, fistless, toothless, and footless, I'll gum it till I go home to glory and it goes home to perdition. Come on now. If I had a southern accent, it would sound so much cooler. But listen, this guy said, I don't care. If, man, I'll gu I will gum teeth. I'll fight till the end. Right? I will fight to the end against sin. Now, this is, this is the heart of Paul and Silas. They'll say, you know what? Whatever. Bring it. Bring it. What else you got? I will preach the gospel. I will do what God called me to do. Amen? Come on. Give God a round of applause for that. It's awesome stuff. So the first thing any true believer must have is perseverance. Perseverance will not be shown in convenience or in easy times. Perseverance will be shown when It is no longer convenient. It is no longer easy. It is not cool when it's not acceptable. When people don't like necessarily what your God is asking you to do. Even if it means the freedom of other people. Because this woman was oppressed. She was enslaved. You hear what I said? She was enslaved. Satan had her enslaved and people did as well. Now some people may not be enslaved by a demon or apparently but they may be enslaved to approval or enslaved to debt, financial debt, or they may be enslaved, enslaved by an addiction, by anger, by resentment. And God is calling you to set them free. Like it or not, whoever it is, God called you to set the captives free. Amen. So the first thing is perseverance. The second thing is this praise. Any true believer must learn the power of praise. Praise At all times, praise under a roof, praise under the sun, under the moon, under the stars. Praise when it's bright, praise when it's dark, praise when it's humid, and praise when it's dry. Amen. Praise at all times, praise in sickness, praise in health. Amen. Praise though you walk in the Garden of Eden or you're walking through hell. Praise at all times. Do you hear what I said? Any true believer must first be persevering and then must have a spirit of praise. I love this because Paul and Silas, they were there in jail, in prison, beaten, bloody. They weren't wearing clothes. They had, not, they had ripped their clothes off. Do you hear what I said? They didn't just give them some pajamas to step in there. They had ripped their clothes off. They had beaten them to a pulp and they had thrown them in prison. And all of a sudden, Paul, my good friend, started saying, This is how I fight my battle. 
This is a, and people start like, oh, this is come up to the gates and, you know, to the, to the thing. They start listening. The Bible says that the other prisoners were listening. They're like, what's that? I haven't heard that one before. Is that a little pump? <laughs> nope. You hear what I'm saying? This guy started singing worship songs, hymns. You understand why I love hymns so much? This guy started singing hymns to the Lord in the middle of the worst moment of his life. This guy was beaten, imprisoned, feeling like he was done wrong. And he starts worshiping God. I wrote it like this. Your praise will open the doors of deliverance to the oppressed. Your praise will open the doors of freedom in your own life and will open the doors of salvation to jailers. Your praise will open doors to everyone around you. People may not understand or remember the lyrics, but they understand the sound of freedom. You hear what I'm saying? They may not know the whole lyric of the song. I don't even know the lyrics of many of the songs we sing because I'm not that remembering. I don't. That's why I need the screens. Listen, but I know the sound of freedom. I know the sound of joy. I know the sound of praise. I know what it does to me. I know what it does to people around me. After this, I want to have just a little bit more time of praise. Praise. Paul and Silas were able to praise when they didn't feel good. Dear Christians, CFF, can you praise in the middle of pain? Whether it's through somebody passing away, somebody being sick. Can you praise God? Can you present a praise report to the Lord at all times? Listen, I'm going I'm to say this. This is such a cool, cool guy that I told you, Billy Sunday, if you guys ever read stuff about him. I already gave you one quote. I'm going to give you three quotes, actually four today. And he said, are you guys ready? Yeah. Uh, you sure? <laughs> give your face to God and he will put his shine on it. Give your face to God and he will put his shine on it. I think these guys gave their face to God. They turned to God and said, here I am, Lord. I don't know what song they sang. I wish I knew. So we could start singing it. Here I am to worship. Here I, I don't know if it was that one. I don't know if it was a little bit older. Maybe it was signs and wonders. Yo. <laughs> right? I don't know. But when you sing those hymns to God, do you have a song? In your heart, do you have a song for prison? Do you have a song for the moments you feel beat? Do you have a song at all times? You have to have praise in your heart. The next thing that I see, the first P is perseverance. The second P is praise. And the last P is preaching. Preaching. Some of you guys are, okay, pastor, you lost me. I can sing, I can praise God, I can remain, but I don't understand the Bible. And my friend Billy Sunday said, the Bible will always be full of things you cannot understand as long as, you're, as long as you will not live according to those you can understand. You always have things you can't understand until you're willing to live under those few things you do understand. Then all of a sudden, the Bible will become alive. It will be real. You start understanding more that you didn't understand before. Man, I promise you, obedience is a key that unlocks the door to so much love of God, wisdom of God, revelation of God, obedience. I'd rather have someone that knows two Bible verses and lives by those, that knows the entire Bible and lives by none. Do you have the obedience to God to say, hey, I don't care if I know enough, I know you and that's enough. You know what? To preach the gospel, 
is not that complicated. To share Jesus is not that hard. Last Sunday, we were in Mazatlan, right? And I had just heard a powerful sermon by Carla Larner, right? Carla shared a word and she said, no, no, I think that one was Alba on Friday. Was it Alba? It was Alba. And she said, from here, last Friday, she said, a lost person cannot find themselves. She was talking about how people want to find themselves. He's going to find myself. I'm going to leave church. Come and find myself. And she said how, how whack that mindset is. And she said, a lost person cannot find themselves. A lost person needs to be rescued. And so I went to eat some tacos that same night, right? Because in Nazatlán, they have some bomb tacos, right? So I took this Uber and uh, this, this guy was there. He was the Uber driver. And, you know, I remember the sermon. And I said to him, you know what? I feel like you're lost. He said, no, I know exactly where I'm going. I said, no, man. I said, how's your family? And the guy nearly broke down. He said, what the heck? He, I, he was like, what are you doing? I'm not playing. He said, you know what? Today, today, we just rented a house because my family is coming back. And they're going to give me a second chance. I've been addicted. I've been, I've been, he said, I've been so lost. And today, today is when I finally, my family is going to give me another chance. And I said the same words that I heard that same night. And I said, a lost person can't find themselves. A lost person needs to be rescued. I was thinking, thank you, God, for that word I heard tonight. You know what? That guy gave his life to Jesus right outside of that taco place. It was awesome. He's like, I don't even, I don't, I don't, you know, it's like, what, what are you? It's like, I said, well, you know, I am a believer. And, you know, he didn't like Christians, nothing like that. And now he loves the Lord. It's amazing. It was so amazing. He came, I was, I finished eating my tacos. He came and dropped somebody else. Of, hey, what's up? He acted like he was my brother because he was my brother. Do you know what I'm saying? I was feeling like people know me in Mazatlan, Sinaloa. You know why? Because this guy now is part of your family. Is it because I gave him some deep understanding of revelations and the end times and, you know, scatology? And, and I said, you know, actually, I didn't say actually at all. I didn't use geek. I mean, Greek. All I used was the same thing I heard that same night. Nothing else. You know what it was? Sharing the gospel. When you share the gospel, something happens. Rivers of life flow through you. When rivers of life aren't flowing through you, you become stagnant. And stagnant water grows nothing but tadpoles. Listen. What would you rather drink off of? A pond or a river? Some of you guys have nothing to give because you haven't been flowing. Your family knows it. You know it. You know the Bible. You've read it. Some of you guys are even part of the primary team. I'm not challenging you to do something you shouldn't do. I'm challenging you to do something that God empowered you to do. He gave you the blessing of doing it. Now, by the way, I'm not saying it's going to work every time because your job is not to convert anyone. You hear what I said? His job is not, that's the Holy Spirit. God doesn't, God doesn't give you his job. He's got that covered. Our job is simply to share his love, to share his gospel, and to be bold about it. You know what? My neighbor came to Christ. I've been trying to bring this guy to Christ for a long time. This kid, he's like 16 years old. And I'm trying, I've been trying different ways. You know who brought him to Christ? My seven-year-old Elijah. He's like, hey, he's bold. My, my boy just, he's like, hey, dad, we're in Uber. Hey, dad, invite him to church. And the guy looking at me like, uh, I, I don't do church. I'm like, well, you will. <laughs> you don't have to know everything. You just have to know God. This guy was able to preach in times and out of time. Is that the right time to preach? No, man, I'm not feeling good. Was he feeling good? Nope. You know what he was feeling? Compassionate. He was feeling like he knew who he was. It says there that 
He preached the gospel to this man. And here's the crazy thing. Not only did he give his life to Christ, his entire family was saved. They were baptized that same night, which reminds me, our pool is being ready in next week. So we can start baptizing some people. So we're going to do it by cell groups. And he's looking at me like, what? <laughs> Listen, we'll put extra bleach. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Listen, what I'm trying to tell you, Chlorine, what I'm trying to tell you is something super simple, guys. Super, super simple. These people believed in God that same night. And they were baptized. Him and his entire household. Him and his entire household. What if I told you that you and your entire family will be saved? Um, let me repeat that again. Maybe you don't believe it. That's why you didn't say amen. What if I said to you that you and your entire family will be saved? Actually, it won't. It won't. Wait, wait. It won't. Because there's some guy out there that is supposed to preach to your family, but he's going to disobey. Or what if I said to you, that I'm praying that this church will have the obedience, the strength, the courage to say to your family, to that jailer, whatever job your dad, your mom, your brother has, that maybe it's not you. Maybe you've been sowing seeds of love, but they're the ones that are going to harvest it for the kingdom of God. You see the importance of being obedient to God. Maybe it's your family, depending on some Christian's obedience. And I just invite us today, CFF, this is the time where the soil is so ready, it's ripe, it's broken. Did you know that soil, when it's broken, is ready for sowing? When soil is hard, and you know what softens soil? When it's turned upside down. Our world is turned upside down. Our world needs the gospel, and our world needs us to be obedient. It is true, and it is beautiful. Amen? Be bold and courageous. Do not fear. The Bible says, for I, the Lord your God, will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Finishing. I see this amazing thing and you guys are like, okay, so Paul is Paul because Paul's awesome. Because Paul is, his name is Pablo. How could it not be awesome? Just kidding. Right? No, he's Paul, right? He's this apostle. And of course, he's apostle. That's why you say that because it's easy for him. I don't think so. I think Paul had also a thorn in his side. I think Paul also had personal issues. As a matter of fact, I think Paul at some point had a really low self-esteem. He used to persecute people. Paul was a guy who was actually not good looking. The Bible describes him as an ugly fool, but he had a beautiful soul. Listen, Paul had a lot of problems. He was so, he never even got married. And that's not because he was ugly. It's because God called him to be celibate. And that to me is a big issue. <laughs> Listen, Paul had a lot of things he could complain about. But Paul knew something. You know what he knew? He knew Lydia. He said, Pastor, what the heck are you talking about? What you didn't read is this. You go the verses right before this whole thing started. Verse 14, a woman named Lydia from the city of Tyra, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, stay. If you had judged me faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. I believe with all my heart that Paul was ready to face anything because he had encountered a Lydia. He had someone by his side that was a worshiper. He ran across the right person. One that took him into the presence of God that fed him enough to make it through anything. Lydia was seemingly nobody. But did you know that Lydia was the first convert of Europe? 
the first person that ever gave her life to Jesus Christ, her name was Lydia and she was in Europe. Some people don't even know about her. Some people think that the only Lydia ever is the one at CFF that plays the drums. This Lydia here from the Bible, she's so amazing. Listen to your legacy. Listen to this. Lydia encouraged Paul. No, she urged Paul to stay at her house because she was about to have a worship night. She said, no, please, Paul, stay. I'm so hungry for the word. I want what you have. Can you pour it on me? Lydia said, I know, I know that I need God. And this woman here had a worship night with Paul. Paul was charged up, ready to go, ready to face the world. I don't know how Paul had been doing this last week. I don't know if he had struggled as any man does. I don't know if he had been, you know, struggling with his flesh or with his thoughts or discouragement. I read the rest of the chapter, so I know what he went through. We'll get to that in the next time. But what I'm telling you is this, that Paul needed a Lydia. Paul needed an encourager. Someone by his side that would say, you have something to give and I want to receive it. Paul had an encourager. He had a Lydia. Have you found a Lydia in your life? Someone that will say, I'll worship God with you. Someone that will say, hey, you know what? What you have to offer is beautiful and it's good. Can you please share it with me? Sometimes we get discouraged. We don't feel good. We feel like we can't give, like we don't have anything else. And you know what we need? We need someone like that, like Lydia, that will step into our lives and find gold where you seem to find only ashes, to find something beautiful, something good. And that in itself will encourage you so much and I pray that God surrounds you with people like Lydia. I pray that this church will be like that woman that finds people around and says, you have something. But not only that, that God would use you and me to be like that person in someone else's life. You know how? Lydia was righteous. Lydia was a woman of worship. Can they say, oh yeah, yeah, I know Alex, a man of worship. You know what she did? She said, Paul, and I believe the Holy Spirit led her to this. I wish I had more time, but I know we're running out of it. Because I want to worship with you, Lydia. And I want you to worship with me. A, one person who would sell robes, who would sell clothing the color of purple. Next week, I'll tell you what's that about. But Lydia wasn't a pastor. She wasn't a preacher. She wasn't an apostle. She was the first convert, but she was ready. She was willing to listen to the word and she was ready to worship God. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be called to anything. You just need to be sensitive to the voice of God. And you need to want to worship your king. Lydia gave Paul and Silas a gift that would endure through the worst times. I know what song he sang. I think he sang the song that he sang the last, last night. I think the next night, he looked at Silas and Silas looked at him and said, you remember that song that we sang last night? It was good. And I, the Bible's not thick enough, so it doesn't say it. But I think Paul maybe started going like that with his foot. And then Silas started going like that. And he got like. And then Paul started singing that song that Lydia sang that night. Such a peaceful spirit. Here's what I want to do. I want to sing a song with you. I want to ask God to help us to be encouraged, to be sensitive, but to be an encouragement to other people. To find moments of worship, to find moments of praise, and to invite people into that house of praise. This is a place where we sell purple. You'll get it next week. Purple is the color of royalty. Purple is the color that Jesus wore when he was about to be crucified. Jesus wore a purple robe. He was my king. He still is and he always will be. Lydia, she was a businesswoman. Her job wasn't that. She might as well have sold Starbucks coffee. But her role, her calling was to worship God and to do it and to invite people into that presence. Why don't you stand up with me for a second? I see Lydia 
And I praise God because I think Paul made it through that dark night. Because someone insisted that, she, that he would come and he would stay. I don't know who brought you here tonight. I don't know who had you tune in. I don't know who you're supposed to be a Lydia to. But I know, I know for sure that that may give him the strength and the encouragement to make it through another week, through another month. Dear God, help us, please. Close, you close your eyes with me for a second. We just sang a song. No longer slaves. And I'd love for us to sing it one more time. I'll invite the band up here. But I want you to sing it with your heart, with your mind. I want us to praise God for a second. I want to pray that God makes us persevering like Paul was. I want to pray that God gives us a spirit of praise. And I want to pray that God will give us the boldness to preach the gospel. But I think it's unfair to do that unless you first receive what Paul had. And that is a moment in the presence of God. Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask Marcos if you help me. We're going to turn those lights off for a second. For some reason, we get so concerned about people around us. It's just going to be a God and you. Just God and you. It's just God and you. Dear God, receive our praise, receive our worship. We declare, Lord, that through praise and through singing right now, that through this worship song, you're going to open doors in our families, in our lives. You're going to give us encouragement and strength. I pray, God, that anyone that came here tonight needing to receive a word for their families, for their finances, for their health, for their spiritual life, that tonight, God, they would realize that the same power that was in Paul and Silas is the same power that's offered to them. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. Dear God, we give you our lives. We surrender ourselves to you. We give you our praise right now. Come on, would you sing to God?